What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 128 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to be previewing the divisional round of the NFL playoffs on DraftKings. Four games, eight teams, two days. We are going to look over slate specifics, go position by position, and talk through our favorite plays and strategies to implement in tournaments this weekend. And of course, close out the show with our general tournament takeaways and strategies. Joey, before we get into the podcast, can you tell the people how to support the show? You can help support us by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out links to the podcast, links to articles, clips, etc. So make sure you are following us over there. Another way you can help support us is by going over to YouTube and searching up the DFS Dose and subscribing to our YouTube channel, currently at like 160 subscribers. But we're going to be putting out more content even after the NFL season is over. So make sure you're subscribed. Another way you can help support us is just by making sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Pretty simple. It's free. It should be right under uh, the podcast episode or in your podcast feed just make sure you are subscribed it helps us out more than you know and then lastly if you want you could join our free discord chat which is linked down below in the description we will be talking about this four game DraftKings slate in that chat for the next couple of days so make sure you go and join that if you want some uh, free information i'm super excited for this slate joey let's get into some slate specifics we got some of the pretenders out of the way you know we got the colts we got mm-hmm. the bears out of the way this is good football through and through minus the rams i don't know how they got there but we'll talk about this throughout the show vegas is telling us quite the story and if you look at the vegas lines we're finding out a lot about what the general market is thinking about the nfl this week now if you trust what the lines are suggesting it would tell you that out of our four games we've got one great game cleveland versus kc we've got one terrible game the rams at green bay as well as two pretty good games squished in the middle so our great game browns at chiefs the game opened at 45 and a half it has been bet up to 47 by far the highest total on the slate the next closest is 52 the chiefs themselves have a 33.75 implied team total absolutely massive a full touchdown higher than the next closest team which is new orleans and they're also favored by 10 and a half so obviously vegas is expecting this to be uh you know not so fun of a cushy ending to the cleveland playoff saga we will see on that in terms of the games that i would qualify as pretty good games from a vegas perspective we've got saints and the Bucks going head-to-head, 52-point total, second highest on the slate. Saints are favored by three in this spot, and we've also got the Bills and the Ravens somehow all the way down at the third highest total at 50. Bills are favored by two and a half at home in this spot. Finally, of course, we've got the first game to kick off this weekend as well as the worst game from a potential scoring environment with the Rams at Green Bay. Rams somehow made it another week joy for us another week of john walford and jared goff drama this game is the only one with a total below 50 well below 50 opened at 46 and a half dropped to 45 and a half the packers are favored by seven points what stands out to you from this slate from a vegas perspective yeah so i think from a vegas perspective 
I was kind of expecting it to be how it is. Like, I expected the Chiefs to be large favorites against Kansas City. I expected the Bills and Ravens game to be a pretty close spread and it's two and a half right now. Um, I expected the Saints and Bucks game to be a pretty close spread with a decent total. The Saints are minus three. I mean, it's really just a good slate from a fantasy perspective minus the Packers and Rams game and that's going to be a game that nobody is going to play I don't think on this four game slate and I just want to say shout out to DraftKings for uh doing a four game slate and not two two game slates so I just want to throw that in there shout out DraftKings I think we I think we're going to see ownership condense on the Chiefs in this spot with a 33.75 implied team total. They're favored by 10 points, like you mentioned. So I expect the Chiefs to be massive chalk. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. So it's going to make for an interesting slate and some interesting uh, tournaments and how we're going to attack tournaments this week. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that stood out to me is that, you know, Vegas was giving us a very clear indication about how to get different if you want to get different. I mean, if you want to play a 10% or less owned stack on DraftKings this week, just play the Rams. You're getting them at 5% or less. They've got a drastically low implied team total. They're in the game with the lowest total by far. So it's very clear. It's it's showing you what the, the high projected teams are going to be. And if you look at any projections whatsoever, it backs it up by the same story that Vegas is telling us. So, you know, this slate seems relatively straightforward. You know who's going to be owned, who's not going to be owned. And I think we should just dive right into these positions and talk through some of these players. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's get right into it. And (laughs) at the quarterback position, I think the discussion starts really with the top tier. We have three guys, Josh Allen, 7,400, Lamar Jackson, 7,600, and Patty Mahomes, 8K flat, highest priced quarterback on the slate. How are you differentiating between these guys? Because we know at this point in the season, we're we're 19 weeks into the 2020 slash 21 season. So we know these guys have high ceilings. These are some of the quarterbacks with the highest ceilings on the slate. How do you differentiate between them when they're priced so closely with one another? I would just differentiate by how their offenses have been performing over the season, um, whether they're passing a lot, like the Bills are passing way over expectation, then obviously the Chiefs are a pass-heavy team as well. And so if I had to rank these quarterbacks with price included, number one, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, he's in the in the best game environment going up against probably the worst defense on this slate so I like Patrick Mahomes at one I think Josh Allen is number two for me at 7400 and Lamar Jackson will come in third I think Josh Allen has a has a higher ceiling than Lamar Jackson in 2021 and I also like the Bills in this spot just from a game perspective I do think the Ravens have a legit shot to win this game I think Josh Allen is a better fantasy quarterback right now than Lamar Jackson so I'd give him two Lamar Jackson would be third for me, but at the end of the day, I'm paying up. I'm paying up to Patrick. The salary is just so close, so tight. Like you're only getting a $400 discount if you go from Mahomes to Lamar, 600 from Mahomes to Allen. So for me, I'm playing Patrick Mahomes. This is a smash spot for Kansas City, a smash spot for Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, etc. I expect them to drop 35 plus points on the Browns this week. That makes a lot of sense to me, Joey. I've got so many thoughts on this slate. My head is just like boiling over with thoughts. So I'm just going to give it all to you at once. I mean, with these three quarterbacks, these are the offenses that you're going to want to stack despite the lower implied team total 
for the Ravens, which currently is sitting around 23.75, almost 24, almost two and a half points lower than the Bills, significantly lower than the Chiefs. I think that Lamar Jackson is going to come in under owned. So I think he's one of my favorite large field tournament plays between the group. I think people are going to obviously identify that these are the three quarterbacks that we want to target. People will pay up for Mahomes because he's Patrick freaking Mahomes, and then people will pay down for Josh Allen because they're going to view him as the lowest priced option of this tier. I think Jackson is going to get sort of lost in the shuffle, not to mention the fact that he has less appealing stacking options. You know, people want to play Tyree Kill. They want to play Kelsey. They want to play Diggs. Some people want to play Hollywood Brown. They want to play Mark Andrews, but to a lesser extent. So I think Lamar Jackson's ownership is going to be a spot that we can look to target just from a tournament perspective. Now, when you look at these three quarterbacks, I'll be honest, I love Josh Allen here. Now you are getting a good price on him, but when you're in this price range, the amount of savings, $600 to go down to Josh Allen, it's not significant. It's essentially a pick in that spot. What differentiates it for me, which makes me like Allen more, is the fact that I think there are easier paths to getting exposure to the Chiefs' offensive output without playing Patrick Mahomes. Now, yes, there are chances that Mahomes is going to throw touchdowns to Sammy Watkins or Meikle Hardman or Demarcus Robinson, but with no Zach Moss, the amount of offense that is going to be coming through Josh Allen for the Bills is significant, right? Like the rushing touchdowns, the expectation is boosted. They already pass at one of the highest expectations over the league. So I think that Josh Allen is a standout play. I like the idea of stacking Josh Allen and playing Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, getting exposure to that Chiefs offense, even playing both of them in the same lineup, soaking up a significant amount of the scoring opportunity on that massive nearly 34 point total from Vegas with the Chiefs. Chiefs and playing the key pass catchers from that game without playing Patrick Mahomes because let's face it, you know, with Zach Moss gone, it just increases the possibility of Josh Allen getting rushing touchdowns and the passing touchdown upside is extremely high with the rate at which they pass the ball. Yeah, I mean, you made uh, several good points and that's definitely something to consider in tournaments and Josh Allen has been great. I mean, he averaged more points than Patrick Mahomes on the season. So if you want to play Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes for all of the reasons that you said, I, I think that is fine. Um, you mentioned that they're basically a pick pick them and I, I think that's true. $600 really isn't that much on this slate. So yeah, Josh Allen is great. Patrick Mahomes is great. Like I said, I would still probably prefer Patrick Mahomes. And I just want to say the Chiefs coming off a bye under Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Have you seen the stat? Mm, tell it to me. They've scored 40, 31, 40, 51, 35, and 31 points Eesh. coming off of a bye. Like, I don't know. I kind of just want max exposure to this Chiefs team uh, when it matters at home in the best matchup. Like I said, Cleveland has the worst defense out of the eight remaining teams. Big Ben was dotting them up, although obviously he threw like 70 times. But the matchup is nothing to be scared about with Patrick Mahomes. It's just a great spot for him, but it's a great spot for Josh Allen too. Uh, Although the Baltimore Ravens defense has been playing better, I I think this is a spot where he could still get there, like you said, based on his rushing upside, his rushing touchdown upside, and the fact that he's just going to throw the ball so much this uh, Saturday. 
So we agree basically that Allen and Mahomes are two, and we agree that Jackson is three of this tier, but do you think there's a lot of merit to still going with Lamar Jackson based off of the perception that he's going to be lower owned than these other two guys, you know, strictly from a tournament perspective? I mean, we are focusing predominantly on tournaments on this podcast. Uh, I think that's the biggest edge on these smaller slates in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know if Lamar is going to be lower owned than Josh Allen. I think they'll be pretty close. Um, If I had to guess, I think Josh Allen will be a little bit higher owned. Lamar is still a great play, 7,600. Definitely going to have exposure to Lamar in tournaments. All three of these quarterbacks have very similar ceilings. So it's just kind of hoping the player that you pick out of these three scores 38 or 39 points while the other ones score 29 or 30. Uh, because that eight to nine point differential could make all of the difference in tournaments. Uh, but that that's kind of what you're hoping for, to be honest, uh, when you're picking out of these three quarterbacks. Let's talk about some of the other guys on this slate. Aaron Rodgers is in this weird pricing zone where you aren't really saving much money by playing him over these, these three guys that we've already talked about. Josh Allen only costs 500 more than Aaron Rodgers. Lamar Jackson only 700 more. You're sacrificing a good bit of potential potential ceiling or more accurately I think the likelihood of Aaron Rodgers hitting his ceiling in comparison to these other guys because the frequency at which Rodgers hits his ceiling is going to be lower just because he gets there in a one-dimensional way you know if you're going to hit Aaron Rodgers's ceiling you're talking 35 plus DraftKings points that's coming off of one outcome it's 300 passing yards and four touchdowns you know Lamar Jackson can rush for a hundred yards in a game. And that's not even like a newsworthy story. Like that's just a standard day at the office for Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen with, you know, a a weakened running back room could score two rushing touchdowns. I wouldn't bat an eye, you know, it's going to be much harder for Aaron Rodgers to get there. And with the 500 discount off of Josh Allen or only 700 off of Lamar Jackson, do you think that it's worth going down to Aaron Rodgers. I think the plus side argument for playing Aaron Rodgers in DFS is that he's going to come in significantly lower owned than any of these top three guys. Yeah, he's strictly an ownership leverage play this week. That's literally all he is. He doesn't have as high of a ceiling as Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen, and I'm probably not coming off though the top three to play Rodgers in a bad spot at home against the Rams defense that has been pretty good this year. Their secondary has been locked down, but you're going to get Aaron Rodgers at what, 10%, 15% probably yeah, lower, at most? Lower than 15, I would yeah, say. Probably, yeah, probably lower than that. So strictly an ownership leverage play. Uh, but this is just a bad game environment. We mentioned the total uh, with Vegas. The Rams like to play slow. They're probably just going to try and take the air out of the ball, run Cam Akers 25 times. The Packers also play slow. And when you're playing Rodgers, you're you're playing him for his efficiency. You're not playing him for his volume. So I don't really like him this week. I think he's a fade in tournaments. Definitely not going to play him in cash if I play cash games on this four-game slate. And he's just in that price range where it's just not worth it to play him I don't think so probably gonna stay away from Rodgers yeah I completely 1000% agree with that and I think that that same argument against Rodgers as a play extends to guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees now you are getting more of a discount by going down to those guys but I just still don't see it as worth it because with any of these one-dimensional passers as an NFL quarterback in 2020, you are not going to be able to get to that ceiling as often because there aren't multiple 
paths to it. So if I'm paying down for a quarterback, for a guy who there's an off chance that they're able to match or come close to these guys on a point per dollar sense, I think that it only really becomes a conversation when we are talking about really punting, like going down to Baker Mayfield at 5,300 or Jared Goff at 5,200, who looks like he will be starting for the Rams this week. But, you know, personally, I think I'm just completely Xing out that middle tier of old men quarterbacks. No Aaron Rodgers, no Tom Brady, no Drew Brees. I'm focusing on Mayfield or Goff as punt options or Allen, Jackson, or Mahomes as the staples in my builds. You know, how do you feel about these punt guys? Do one of them stand out or do you just have no interest, period? I mean, I, I have a little bit of interest in both of the punt guys with Mayfield and Goff, but I'm right there with you. Probably not going to play Rodgers, probably not going to play Brady or Breeze, although that Saints-Bucks game could have some good fantasy outputs. I like playing the skill position guys. Yeah and not the quarterbacks in those games which we will talk about shortly but if I'm if I'm playing a cheap quarterback it's probably Baker Mayfield just the best game environment the Browns are going to have to throw in this game I don't expect them to get out to a 35 to 10 lead like they did against the Steelers I think they'll be down 14 or or 10 early and it's going to be the Baker Mayfield show from there so have some interest in him same goes for Jared Goff if the Packers get up early we could see Jared Goff just go nuclear in terms of passing attempts so I have a little bit of interest in him but I think I'm just going to try and stay away from that Rams and Packers game besides maybe one or two guys which we'll talk about yeah it's really Baker Mayfield or I'm paying up for the three top guys I agree I like Mayfield over golf I think Mayfield is the legitimate path to an extremely contrarian build if I'm playing one of these super large field tournaments with you know, it's not usually my bag, but if we're talking Millie Maker, we're talking, you know, the play action, $3, 200,000 plus people. I think Mayfield gives you a significant edge and the chances of him hitting his ceiling in a game script where they're, you know, down 10 and a half points by Vegas standards. I think that makes some sense and it'll just push you on a contrarian build as it is because the majority of lineups are going to be targeted around 7k plus quarterbacks. So Baker Mayfield, I think mm-hmm. has a ton of merit from a game theory perspective anything else you want to hit at quarterback before we move on no i think we pretty much uh put our stance out there for quarterback this week absolutely all right let's move on to the running back position running back is interesting this week like we've still got some key news to look at rojo uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, etc. You know, these guys are in precarious situations. I, I'm expecting Clyde Edwards, Hilaire to play. Uh, Rojo, I think it's still pretty 50 50. Who knows? I mean, it was just absolutely brutal for the people who did play Rojo last week. You know, everything seemed like he was going to be a good to go, then gets injured in a pregame warm up. That's got to be tilting. I mean, thank God I was completely off Rojo, but I do feel for the people who got burned by the system, by the lack of information. But, you know, from this slate, from the divisional round slate, this feels like a slate where running back is going to be a source of value. You know, frankly, we have Devin Singletary at 4,500 with no Zach Moss in the lineup. We have Kareem Hunt in a revenge game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, there's already quotes early in the week circulating about how Kareem Hunt is amped for this game against his former team. He's charged up. He's only 4,800 on DraftKings. And then for some ungodly reason, DraftKings only gave Cam Akers a $600 price bump after getting 30 touches last week. So he's 5,700 
Best matchup on the slate, worst run defense out of the remaining teams is quite clearly the Packers. Now, Cam Akers is a damn near shoe in for 25 plus touches against them. And let's start there, right? Akers, from a workload perspective, from a price perspective, appears like a stone lock to me. I'll be honest. But the Rams have a 19 point implied team total. Is that enough to make you pause? when considering playing Cam Akers in cash because, like I said, price perspective, workload perspective, he seems like an easy candidate to just jam into every single lineup. Yeah, I mean, the team total is definitely concerning for sure. But for all of the reasons that you mentioned with the matchup, workload, and everything with Cam Akers, I think he's a phenomenal play this week. Like I mentioned, the Rams are going to try and take the air out of the ball they want to be on team established to run right so the guy is cam Akers in la daryl henderson is still on ir if i'm not mistaken yes um malcolm brown was phased out of the offense completely by like week five yes so it's the cam Akers show great price but he's going to be uh massively owned so that's definitely something to consider when playing tournaments. I don't know if you can get away from them, but that's definitely going to be a spot where you can get leverage uh, in large field tournaments is by fading Cam Akers and playing the golf with a Rams wide receiver route. I would do that in that situation. Cam Akers is probably going to be like 50% owned if I had to guess. So I think he's a great play, but he's going to be massive chalk. Do with that as you wish. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely merits of fading him from a game theory perspective, but just looking at him as a play overall, the way I'm looking at it is that his the low implied team total and the lesser chance of him scoring multiple touchdowns as a result of the scoring opportunity is already baked into his price, right? There are four running backs priced above Cam Akers where he sits at 5,700. And if you asked me to put my life savings, put my life on which running back is going to get the most touches this week out of these eight teams, it's Cam Akers. Like these guys priced above him, J.K. Dobbins, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, even Alvin Kamara to a certain extent, unless of course Latavius Murray misses. And then we're we're talking about something different. But uh, Cam Akers, I think it's just a stone lock to see at least, you know, 22, 25 touches with upside for more as the Rams have frequently shown that their desire to run this offense is through Cam Akers. He's flat out underpriced. I think that the discount is baked in with the low Vegas total. And at 5,700, I'm jamming him in everywhere I can, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's the right way to go this week, to be honest. I mean, he's just a great play. There's really not much else that needs to be said, to be honest. Yep, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Let's circle back to some of the other value running backs that I've already mentioned. Devin Singletary versus Kareem Hunt. How do you feel about these two guys? Personally, I think I'm on the Devin Singletary bandwagon, but that might just be my cash game brain just flashing lights, like play the guy with the the higher projected touches versus the guy who has massive touchdown upside with a massive total for the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm probably on the other side of that. Yeah. To be honest, Mm -hmm. I'm probably uh, playing Kareem Hunt over Devin Singletary if I'm in this range. I will say I don't think any other running back below those two is in play so we'll just focus on these guys and above but yeah cream hunt revenge game brown should be losing so he'll he'll be on the field for passing down work although i will say they did give chubb some more passing 
yes, uh, down did. work and against the Steelers, which was really surprising. But nonetheless, I, I think Kareem Hunt is still their third down back, still their pass catching back, and he does have touchdown upside. Um, I just think with Devin Singletary specifically, Josh Allen just vultures too many rushing, rushing touchdowns for him to get there. I think he could possibly get there with catches. But I would consider Singletary more of a floor play while Kareem Hunt is the ceiling guy in this situation. And on a slate where I'm probably just going to be focusing on tournaments, I'm going to play the ceiling guy over the floor guy 10 times out of 10. So give me Kareem Hunt over Singletary. But I'm also not a big Singletary guy. I don't think he's that good. So that that also factors in. That's disrespectful. I mean, come nah, on. He, he's not that good. Uh. Let's be real. I mean, he's not. He's a change of pace back in the NFL. He's never going to be a workhorse. Um, he's never really going to give you that much upside. Uh, he's he's just in there to uh to get on third downs and and catch a ball here and there. I mean, you know that's all fair and all, but as long as Nick Chubb is this is alive and breathing oxygen <laughs> on planet Earth, Cream Hunt is nothing but a change of pace back too. Let's keep it a bean. I mean, but yeah, he, he's just better. Okay, well, yeah, no, no debates there, obviously. He is better, but I think that something worth noting is that, like you said, Nick Chubb's role in the receiving game has grown. This man got four targets, four receptions for 69 yards in a game that the Browns were largely dominating the entire stretch. I mean, he's out-targeted Kareem Hunt over... The last three weeks, it isn't even just a one game sample size. He has a four target game and a five target game over his last three, Nick Chubb. So on a different sort of subject, I think Nick Chubb stands out as a player that maybe we see his role changing and he's not going to be accounted for in that way on DraftKings at 6,600. Chubb is one of my favorite plays, but just more so focusing on this value. I think you kind of hit it on the head. Cream Hunt has the higher ceiling. This is a man who is clearly motivated. He feels like the Chiefs kind of did him wrong a little bit. Now, I don't know. I'm not going to dive into that. It's like a moral issue. Whether What do you think about Cream Hunt? So 4,800, his ceiling is definitely appealing. If you are playing cash though, Joey and I obviously drive more towards tournaments on these small slates and the advice that we give based off of it. But if you are playing cash, I think Singletary is clear cut a better play. I think his touch floor is much higher. I think this Bills offensive output is going to be very similar to the Chiefs, even if Vegas disagrees. And we saw in the three games that Zach Moss missed early in the season that Singletary was averaging 17.3 touches per game. I don't really see that within Cream Hunt's range of outcomes in this spot. So I think Singletary is a much better touch projection. I think he probably sees four and a half to six and a half more touches uh, than you would project for Kareem Hunt in this spot. I don't know. For me, uh, I'm playing Kareem Hunt this week, not playing Devin Singletary, but in cash, I would agree that he would be the safer play if you are playing cash games. He's also a pass catcher and I think correlates positively with Josh Allen and that's a way to get different. I don't think there are going to be too many, you know, Josh Allen, Singletary, Diggs lineups out there uh, for what it's worth. So that's one of the things that I'm looking at to differentiate my bill stacks. But let's talk about these running backs that are 6K and above the high priced running backs, if you will, J.K. Dobbins, 6K, Nick Chubb, 6,600, Aaron Jones, 6,800, and Alvin Kamara, the bell of the ball, 7,900. 
How do you feel about these quote unquote high priced running backs on this slate? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're in decent spots. I like Nick Chubb a lot. You touched on it a little bit. I think this is a good spot for him. And maybe we do see his role change, like you mentioned, that might not be reflected in his salary. Uh, so it's a very cheap price tag for a player of Nick Chubb's caliber. He's basically Derrick Henry 2.0, to be honest. So mm-hmm. love him this week. Aaron Jones, I, I don't know. I think this is going to be one of the main decisions points in tournaments is whether you pay up for one of these running backs whether that be Kamara or Aaron Jones or Nick Chubb because a two running back build with two value running backs is is viable I think in tournaments this week especially with the wide receivers on this slate that have massive ceilings I think they have higher ceilings than these running backs so that's going to be a main decision point but I mean Kamara really not much to say he's a he's a great player um, has a very high ceiling, tough matchup, but pretty good game environment. Aaron Jones, same thing for him, very high ceiling. Probably a, a, a lower touch projection than some of the other running backs on this slate, but I think he's also going to be lower owned than some of the other running backs. So I don't mind either of them. They're great players, great running backs, focal points on their team. But I, I think I prefer Nick Chubb, to be honest. I'm right there with you, man. Nick Chubb, I think, is my favorite play out of these four guys. But if I was one of these players who didn't watch sports, didn't know anything about the NFL, I just looked at the analytics, the ownership percentages, and the game theory. I mean, Aaron Jones might be the ultimate GOAT play. Nobody is going to play Aaron Jones this week. And I mean, just the fact that you can probably get him sub 10% with a guy that we know has one of the highest ceilings in all of fantasy football it's really enticing. It's really, really enticing. This is a man who can drop 50, no joke, no yeah. cap. He He's done it multiple times before. Aaron Jones at 6,800 at, at sub 10% ownership. I know it's a tough matchup, but that's the kind of stuff you fade and, and you sail to the money with. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm super bullish on Aaron Jones for a small allotment of my GPP lineups. Yeah, I, I think I would have to disagree with you on his ownership. I think he's going to be over 10% on a four-game mm-hmm. slate. Because he just has name recognition. Um, he's one of the better running backs in the NFL. I think he's going to be over 10%, in my opinion. But nonetheless, he's still a great play, still a great tournament play. Um, game flow independent. If the Packers get down in this game, he's a pass-catching running back. He'll be out on the field. If they get up in this game, he's going to be their grinder back that gets the job done, that seals the game. So can't go wrong with Aaron Jones. And yeah, I think he's up there with Nick Chubb for me. Kamara is obviously great. Highest priced running back is Kamara this week, 7,900. Tough spot for him. I, I don't know. These these three running backs are tough, man. They're they're really tough because you get you get a significant discount if you're going from Kamara to Nick Chubb, $1,300, and that can make a difference, whether that be in your wide receivers or paying up for Travis Kelsey if you want to go that route or paying up for one of the higher priced quarterbacks. So gonna yeah. gonna be a gonna be a tough decision to make for tournaments with these running backs. I mean all in all from like a larger perspective, I think I'll mostly be staying away from this tier. I don't think I'm gonna have many builds with two of these guys, although that is contrarian. I think that the ceiling with these running backs and even a tight end like Travis Kelsey that you talked about is going to be extremely Hi. Before we move on to wide receiver, because man, wide receiver is absolutely loaded this week. I just got to shout out my boy, 
Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 5,500. I mean, he might be the tournament play of the week at the running back position. You look at the total, 33.75 implied team total for the Chiefs. You look at a 57-point total from the Vegas perspective and the fact that the Chiefs are favored by 10.5. He hasn't been consistently utilized in the passing game, but there have been spurts, which just makes me think that the chances in a GPP are something that you want to take a shot at. If the Chiefs are winning in this game, CEH has been out a couple of weeks now. He should be fully rested, well-rested, ready to come back and attack this Cleveland defense at home. And you already said all the stats about the Chiefs coming off of a bye. I mean, 5,500, I don't think people are going to want to play him. They'd rather play the other rookies who have shown it already this year. J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. I mean, give me Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at a cheap price, a low ownership, and a phenomenal scoring environment. Yeah, no shot. You're such a hater. Why? <laughs> Why do you hate this man? What are you okay, doing? Okay, I will say I was wrong about Antonio Gibson this year. Wrong about you know Leonard Fournette, whatever. I was right with my offseason take with Ch. He finished as the RB twenty two. He was drafted as a top five running back, but that that doesn't matter. He 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 was a fantasy bust this year, but he just sucks. He's not good. Now he can catch passes. I will give him that. And you know I don't okay. Let me take that back. I don't think he sucks. I think he's average. He He's an average running back. He's very small, undersized. Okay. Um, Damian Williams should have been the Super Bowl MVP last year. You want to talk about an average running Damian back? Damian Williams is better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's kind of- but, I, but I'm a Damian Williams stand. So. <laughs> Look at what you stand. <laughs> yeah, I stand better running backs. <laughs> but... I mean, he's a great tournament play. I will say that, especially if he comes in at low ownership, probably, what, like 10 12% this week. Cheap price, great game environment. He's a great play just for all of those reasons. So, I mean, if you told me LeGarrette Blunt was going to come out of retirement and was 5,500 at home for the Chiefs as a 10.5-point favorite with a damn near 34-point implied team total, I'm jamming him in. <laughs> I, don't give a, I don't care who his name is. You might as well just have a blank name. The situation alone, the low ownership, I'm jamming him in. I know that yeah. most people, like you, have this opinion of Clyde Edwards-Solaire. So I think that is a spot to capitalize. You remove your bias a little bit, and you're going to be on the money train with me this week. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he, he's a good play. So can't really argue with you on that. I just don't think he's that good of a running back. We are recording this early in the week. If you know Clyde Edwards-Solaire does sit, he, I mean, he's had a lot of time off, and he was limited on Wednesday. So I'm expecting him to play but if he does for some reason miss i just want to say i am a hundred percent jamming in darwin thompson into every lineup because Le'Veon bell ain't it and darwin at least flashed it i think the chiefs would go right back to him if ceh were to miss but unlikely <laughs> yeah. situation i mean lev is is just dust at this point yes. um probably unlikely but 4300 for darwin if that does open up seems good all right let's move on to the wide receiver position. And I think that the conversation is going to sort of start and end with Devontae Adams. This is a man who carries you through your season-long leagues, who probably won you money pretty frequently on DK because this man drops 40 points like it's nobody's business. For me, with Devontae Adams, highest-priced wide receiver on the slate, highest-priced player on the slate at 8600 For me, it's all about ownership. What is his ownership going to be if he's high owned i'm full fading if he's low owned 
I'm going heavy on him. It just depends on how the market is going to react to this situation. Low game total. Rams D, best defense in the NFL at this point of the surviving teams. Jalen Ramsey, elite cornerback. So what do you think Adams ownership is going to come in at? How do you how do you feel about him on this slate? Yeah, so I think his ownership is going to be somewhere in the 15 to 20% range. Okay. So I think that is low for, for a him. player of yes, for Devontae Adams, a player of his caliber that is lower than I would have thought for the matchup against Ramsey, who's been like the best cornerback in the league this year. I, I really don't know if I'm playing him. I think Tyreek Hill is a better play. I think Stephon Diggs, who you're getting a $1,300 discount. You're also getting a kind of similar ceiling, obviously not as high, but you're getting a pretty good ceiling with Diggs and Michael Thomas, 6,700. You're just getting severe discounts off of Devontae Adams this week for wide receivers that are top five in the NFL. So I might just be on the full fade train no matter what to be honest, um, for, for all of the reasons that we've talked about with the total, the, the game environment, and the other wide receivers, I am probably going to be full fading Devontae Adams, which is a scary scene, and we'll see how that goes. I'll probably be living on the streets come yeah. Sunday night. Mm-hmm. GG's, good luck with that. <laughs> Let's talk about these receivers that I think that we both prefer a little bit more, at least I do, Tyree Kill and Stefan Diggs. It's pretty simple to me. Both of them are great plays. Diggs, I think, does have a higher floor, and he has a better price than Tyree Kill, but Tyree Kill might be the best wide receiver from a ceiling perspective. Obviously, we saw it earlier this year. He has the potential to just break a slate. He's been doing it his entire career at 8K against a Cleveland secondary that's been beat up. They may or may not have players back We'll see on that situation, but I don't think it matters. I don't think that there's any defense in the league that can truly stop Tyreek when he's clicking on all cylinders, well-rested, ready to get after it with Mahomes. Huge team total for the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill at 8K might be in you know every single lineup that you see in the top 50 of every tournament on DraftKings this week. Yeah, I mean, Tyreek Hill is a great play. Obviously, a great stack with him and Mahomes, and he's probably my favorite wide receiver play on this slate. Just immense upside, immense ceiling with Tyreek Hill. He has slate-winning potential anytime he touches the field, so give me Tyreek Hill over Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs. But I also think Diggs is a great play. 7300 only a $700 discount off of Tyreek Hill. I'd rather just try and find the 700 especially if I'm playing Mahomes, which I said earlier is what I'm most likely going to be doing. So probably going to be more exposed to Tyreek Hill rather than Diggs this week. But I, I think Diggs is just as good of a play and like you said he does have a higher floor if i'm playing cash games i'm playing digs over thomas hill and adams i do want to say that for our cash game grinders out there i think he has the most uh Mm -hmm. secure role in terms of you know a target floor even over a guy like thomas or adams in this spot so digs to me in terms of floor is the is the best guy but that might not translate well into tournaments which is what we're focusing on for the show yeah i mean i I think i would probably prefer tyreek but yeah that's fair yeah that's fair though 
I'll, I'll give it to you on that. All right, Michael Thomas, who's kind of the odd man out of this elite trio of guys. He's right below that. He's below it in price range, 6,700. But I like Michael Thomas. You know, he came back. He showed out pretty well in his first game back after a decent absence, went five for 73 and one. He still is underpriced, if you ask me. I mean, he was a standout play last week and only got a $300 price bump. Now, I don't think he's as much of a lock as he was last week due to just the other positions that we want to pay up for and the other players on the slate. But he is still, no doubt about it, a great play, especially from a point per dollar standpoint, 6,700. And if you want to be attacking this Bucks defense, you want to be attacking their secondary and attacking them through the pass game, not the run game. So are you bullish on Michael Thomas this week at 6,700? Do you believe in the man returning second game back? Yeah, I think Michael Thomas is maybe my second favorite wide receiver play on the board, uh, right below Tyreek Hill. Uh, 6700 just a cheap price tag. You're getting him at home in a dome with Drew Brees in a good spot against the Tampa Bay secondary that hasn't been good recently. So yeah, give me Michael Thomas. I think he has two touchdown upside in this spot. I like him more than Mike Evans right below him. I like him more than Chris Godwin. I think I would prefer Michael Thomas to Stephon Diggs this week. Uh, that might be a hot take. I don't, I don't know. Um, I just think Michael Thomas is in a great spot and the salary is, is just standing out to me. Like this is a, a player that we saw last season get up to 10K and we're getting him at 6,700 and really nothing has changed besides maybe his feelings for Drew Brees. Yeah. So I don't know. But that's, I love Michael Thomas. That's fine though. He's just going to be angry, you know, spite catching those MAGA balls. Just going to give him extra. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me stop. All right, let's let's move on here. I'm right there with you. I think Michael Thomas is a fantastic play. Stone lock if you're playing cash games. I will say that it's 6,700 and the ceiling is there. It's like it's like extreme recency bias because, like Joey said, this was a guy that at 10k, like you think, oh, 10k wide receiver, that's probably a fade. Like, no, if you were grinding DFS last year, you were legitimately considering jamming Michael Thomas in every single week at 10K. So yeah, it's still the same guy. He's still young and it's still the same offensive situation. I think it makes a ton of sense to chase that ceiling that we know exists at 6,700. But in terms of some of the other options here, let's talk about the mid range, the low 5K-ish range. And I'll be honest, I think that this is where the week is going to be won and lost in tournaments because one of these cheap wide receivers is going to smash and blow away the rest. We got Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chest at 5,400. We have Cooper Cup, 5,300. That might be the cheapest price he's been since his rookie year, if if I'm if I were to guess. We got B Movie Brown. We got Cole Beasley, the small slate king himself. John Brown, 4,600, coming off of the donut as Stone Chalk last week in the Wild Card weekend burned a ton of people. Who stands out to you in this range? Are you super bullish on any of these guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm really not too high on any of these guys. I think there are some good plays. Like, I'd be willing to go back to John Brown at lower ownership yep. this week. Very cheap price tag, 4600 Nobody's going to play him after him putting up a donut. And am I bugging or was he on the Ravens? He was on the Ravens, right? It's a revenge game. Or am I tweaking? I think you are absolutely tweaking. I'm pretty sure he was strictly an Arizona Cardinal, but I might sound super stupid right now if you're right. I don't know. 
<laughs> was he wasn't he drafted by the Cardinals or, or did he start with the Ravens? I don't know. Yeah, well, he played. Okay, so he played in Baltimore in 2018. He left Baltimore oh. to go to Buffalo. All right, GG. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. You're kind of <laughs> bugging. I knew I wasn't bugging, but revenge game for him. I like to uh, to go back to him. Low ownership. I think Cooper Cup. If we expect the Rams to be losing in this game, he would be the benefactor of a favorable game script, him and Robert Woods. So I think both of them are in play this week. And I think Jarvis Landry is going to be stone chalk at 5,600. You didn't even mention him. If we're expecting a great game environment in Kansas City, if we're expecting Kansas City to win by 10 plus which is what Vegas is telling us we're expecting Mayfield to be throwing the ball a lot Jarvis Landry is the guy in Cleveland he is Baker Mayfield's favorite target so I think Landry at 5600 is going to catch all of the ownership in this mid-range and I think he's a great play so I gotta be honest I'm pretty surprised about that take from you because I I was expecting Jarvis Landry to be super sneaky and as a result he was one of my my clear-cut favorite plays but I mean if he if his ownership's gonna be up there that makes a lot it's of sense be to me because Landry, I mean, Landry's a standout for all the reasons you said, but I mean, I thought He's I was cheap. just on some, some 200 IQ type, type shit with that play, but yeah. Um, nah. <laughs> all right. So his, his price tag, game log, everything. Yeah. He's, he's going to be chalk. All right. Okay. Well, I guess that makes a little more sense then because yeah, Jarvis Landry is a standout to me. And the other guy that I think stands out of this group is the same one that you mentioned as well. John Brown. All right. I don't care what teams he's been on in the past. This man is a stud for the Bills. The Bills offense improves when he's there. And I don't think that his role changes whatsoever. He just had a tough draw last week. It was Gabriel Davis coming in, making the clutch plays, play after play for Josh Allen. Now, I think that could easily swing back to John Brown. And you have to think about it from like a contextual standpoint where the people who are degenerates enough to be grinding these playoff slates, they're not just your average Joe. You know, it's not you know, Johnny down by the bar playing in a fantasy league with his co-workers. You know, these are some serious DFS players that are still grinding into playoff DFS. Like these are going to be guys who all played John Brown as chalk last week and all got burned. It's not a wide range of players. Like everybody who's going to be back in the lobby were all of the people who had John Brown at 50% ownership and got the donut. They're going to be in their feelings about that. They're going to be hurt about that. 4,600. I like him for all the reasons. I loved him last week and I'm going right back to John Brown at a significant ownership discount with absolutely no role change, no change whatsoever. So come on, John Brown, 4,600. Love it. Great play. Very good tournament play this week. Yeah. And I think Cole Beasley's a good play too. I mean, he he didn't get the touchdown last week, but caught seven of his seven targets for 57 yards. He gets a touchdown on top of that and he's in 20 point range, 4,900. You can always trust Cole Beasley on a small slate. If there's one thing you can trust in life, it's Cole Beasley on a small slate. That's that's a fact, although he only scored 12 points, which, I mean, didn't kill you last week. I mean, if you played him over John Brown, you were stupid lit. That was 12 more points yeah. than you got out of John Brown. True, 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 true. <laughs> Do any of these stone punt guys stand out to you? I mean, Gabriel Davis made some hero plays last week. He's 4K. Don't necessarily trust his role. And then everybody who is 4K and below besides that is just, I mean, you're taking a deep shot on any of these guys. Lazard. Hardman, MVS, Scotty Miller. Are you interested in any of these guys as a straight long shot play for tournaments? Eh, uh, not really. I really don't have interest in any of the these guys besides Hardman. If I'm stacking the Chiefs, mm-hmm. I think he could come in at lower ownership unless Sammy Watkins is out. If Watkins is out, I think Hardman will be 
chalk this week but 3900 for him it'd be a, a cheap price tag to fade so I think he is my favorite but other than that there's really there's really nobody that I'm gonna play in this range besides him <laughs> let's move on to the tight end position Travis Kelsey is such a good play this week. I'll be honest, 7,800 on DraftKings for a tight end. It's crazy to my mind to even consider, but it's just a completely different story for small slates. I think Kelsey is worth every penny. There is no point in even comparing him to the rest of the tight end field. When you're considering playing Travis Kelsey this week on the four game slate, you have to be comparing him to the other players in his price range because those are the choices you're going to be making. It's not, am I playing Travis Kelsey over Mark Andrews? It's, am I playing Travis Kelsey over Alvin Kamara or Devontae Adams or Tyree Killer, etc. So, I mean, how do you compare Travis Kelsey to these guys? Because I think he stands out. I mean, he's one of the best pure skill position plays on the slate, unquestioned. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with everything that you said. He's one of the best plays on the board. 7,800 is very steep. But I, I've discussed it before. I think he factors more as a uh, as a wide receiver rather than a tight end. So I think uh, two tight end builds this week are in play in large field tournaments. But Kelsey is the standout guy for me. You know what needs to be said about Travis Kelsey? He's just he's just a monster in the best offense in the league. You really can't ask for much more. Yeah, I, I love him this week, and I'm playing him straight up over guys like. Aaron Jones or Alvin Kamara. I want as much exposure to Travis Kelsey as I can get this week. In terms of the other tight ends, Mark Andrews might be the only other tight end on this slate that even has a 10% chance of beating Travis Kelsey straight up in points. The discount is nice. I mean, you're saving almost $3,000 by paying down to Mark Andrews, but is it worth it? And Follow up specifically with Mark Andrews. Does anybody drop more end zone targets than this guy, Mark Andrews? Swear to God, every time I'm watching a Ravens game, this man is going right through his hands in the end zone in a pass from Lamar Jackson. I mean, yeah, that's a fact. He drops an end zone target every game. Mm. Like, no cap. It's crazy. But he doesn't have the same upside as Kelsey, obviously. But if there's a tight end that can match his production, it's Mark Andrews, especially if he catches two touchdowns. And the Bills have given up points to opposing tight ends. So if we think the Ravens are going to be down in this game, which is kind of likely, uh, Mark Andrews is a very good play this week, only 5,000. But for me, I think the guy that I I like the most is Austin Hooper at 3,800. To be honest, cheap price tag. Like I said, you could go double tight end with Hooper and Kelsey. I think that will be different in tournaments. Hooper is a guy that has kind of seen a role change over the last four weeks. I mean, minimum of five targets, hasn't scored less than 13 points, three touchdowns in three out of the last four games. And if we project the Browns to be losing, Austin Hooper is going to feast this week. So, I like him a lot. I think he's my favorite tight end other than Travis Kelsey this week. And I'm probably going to be considering playing both of them together in the same lineup. That makes sense to me. And I think that's viable. And I think that's a good way to get different. I think Hooper definitely stands out if we're talking about the tight ends outside of the top two. Now, this is just complete guesstimation. But if you asked me how many times 
this slate plays over, are Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews going to be the top scoring tight ends? I think that it's probably something like 80%. So if I'm building five lineups, I think I'm only going to have one non-lineup with those guys, maybe one out of five. Because I think that chances are these guys dominate their position. They're in the best spots. They're the best players at their position. And you have to recognize by not playing them, you're giving up a decent amount of EV. Of course, that could smash if the guy you choose smashes. So it's just a risk reward type of thing. But I think Andrews, Kelsey are the clear cut best plays. And I like playing them together to be completely honest. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. Other than that, there's, there's really no tight end that I would consider yeah. playing. I'm not to on be honest, in, not on cook, not on Gronk, yeah. not even on Dawson Knox, my boy who's gotten there, but it's consistently not been enough to bink you a, a GPP because yeah. he gets a touchdown and then finishes with nine points. Yeah, I don't mind Dawson Knox. Um, I don't think he has a lot of upside this week, especially when you have a guy like Austin Hooper for, what, $700 more. Then I'd even rather pay for, like, Cook or, or Tunyon, but... I'm not playing Dawson Knox, to be honest. Um, I don't think I'm playing any tight end below Gronk. And even then, I probably won't play Gronkowski. I think this week is the week to have a very condensed tight end pool to two or three of these guys. And I think it's pretty clear who the top three options on this slate are. Yeah, could not agree more. All right, let's transition to the final part of this episode, our tournament thoughts on strategy. The top three questions that you need to be asking yourself as a GPP player on this divisional round slate on DraftKings. Joey, let's start off where we always do. Who is going to be the Millie making stack this week? You know, I I want to give the listeners like not the standard answer, right? Like I, I just don't want to be like everybody else and, and say the most obvious stack, mm-hmm. but I, I think the clear cut Millie Maker winning lineup is going to have Mahomes wow. and is going to have two Chiefs pass catchers. Bold. Like, yeah, very <laughs> bold, very out there. <laughs> nah, but let's be honest. They're in the best spot. We've talked about it the whole podcast. Don't really have to repeat myself. Mahomes, two pass catchers. Now, the thing is, is playing Mahomes, Tyreek, and Kelsey is very expensive, and it might hurt the overall upside of your lineup. So you might have to get different by playing maybe McCole Hardman, maybe Sammy Watkins. I know Demarcus Robinson is your boy. And maybe, just maybe, even include CEH in your Mahomes lineups uh, just kind of hoping that he gets some receiving touchdowns, which we know he is capable of racking up catches if it works out like that. So I I like the Chiefs stack a lot. I mean, pretty obvious answer, but I I truly think it's going to be the winning stack. And then the bring back, I like Hunt, I like Jarvis Landry, and I like uh, Rashad Higgins and Austin Hooper. You know, I mean, look, we're really on the same page here (laughs) in the same game, right? Because I think that it's it's the brown stack right mm. baker mayfield jarvis landry kareem hunt i'm buying into the kareem hunt motivation narrative baker's talking about it kareem is talking about it talking about energizing the whole team baker in this spot chasing points against the chiefs in a game with a 57 point total so very similar to what you're saying the game environment we can agree upon Landry, he's a dog. Hunt motivation or not, he's a dog. He's going after it. I love this stack. And Baker is a guy, by the way, who's won multiple Millie Makers this season already. And he's only 5,300, so you don't have to be saving salary all over your lineup. You can still jam in Tyreek Hill 
and Travis Kelsey, but since you got Baker in there saving the salary, it's an absolute vibe. Throw Rams defense in there. Bro, you, you got 6K per player left. You're, you're sailing to the money. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it in large field tournaments. I will say that. But the only uh, caveat is that it's not week 13, Ben. Baker Mayfield only wins people a million dollars on week 13. Proven fact. He did it this season and did it in 2019, both on week 13s. Okay. Mm. We're in what, week 19? Okay. Right? That's compelling. That is, that is compelling. <laughs> so, I mean, history shows that, I don't know. I don't know if he can win you a million dollars, but the game script should be in his favor, right? If he throws for three touchdowns and 300 yards, I, I think he ends up being the best point per dollar quarterback on the board. The only thing is, is that, you know, you see the 30th uh, next to Baker Mayfield's name in terms of the opponent rank, but don't get it twisted. The Chiefs play good defense especially at home, and they don't give up that many points to opposing quarterbacks. Like, it's pretty crazy because if you, like, look at their roster on defense, like, you wouldn't see very many talented players in the back end besides the Honey Badger, not that many great pass rushers besides Chris Jones, but they they turn it up, and they definitely turn it up at home. So this could be a long day for Baker Mayfield, but if I'm just throwing a dart in a large field tournament, I think I'm stacking the Browns with you. All right. I like it. I mean, look, the Browns put up 48 with only 34 Baker Mayfield attempts last week. So just imagine if they get 50 off. I don't know. <laughs> What's the math say about that? Let's move on to our second question here. How do you plan to get leverage on the field for this four game slate? Yeah. So I think one of the main ways to get leverage is your roster construction. We all know who's going to be chalk. It's going to be a bunch of these high price wide receivers, uh, high price quarterback, and probably one of the higher price running backs. So I think going with a balanced build could work out. But I think one of my favorite lineup constructions this week is double tight end. I mentioned it in the tight end segment, preferably with Austin Hooper and Travis Kelsey. You get some salary relief with Hooper, who's 3,800 cheap, plug him in at the tight end. And then you get Kelsey, who's basically a tight end in a wide receiver's body in one of the best offenses in the league. They correlate pretty well. And running a double tight end lineup will be unique off the rip. I, I think it could be popular. It is, I don't want to say popular, but people do play it on short slates. You're not going to be insanely different, like massive edge, but there will still be an edge in running double tight end. And if it yes. hits, if it hits... You could be sailing to the money. So I think that's where I'm going to try and focus in large field tournaments, I should say. Not in single entry. Let me let me say that. Not in single entry tournaments. Not in three max. Only in the large field autos, which I do play because like I'm trying to win a million dollars. Yeah, who could fault you? That's a fact. <laughs> I would take it. Look, I'm about to just put some sauce on what you just said because once again, we are in lockstep with these takes on how to get leverage on the field. Here's the thing. I don't think there are many mouth breathers left in the DraftKings mm -hmm. lobby. These people are, are savages if they're still playing the divisional round playoffs on, on a <laughs> DraftKings DFS slate. They're like us. They know what's going on. The best plays are the plays that everybody is going to play. You don't have to outthink yourself and fade them. Allen, Diggs, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, Akers. Like, these are the best plays. Everybody knows it. So the way to get contrarian without getting stupid is, like Joey said, roster construction. If you want to play Hill and Kelsey... Why not make it around a contrarian roster build with Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry? People aren't going to be paying down to the quarterbacks. If you want to play a Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs with a Mark Andrews bringback, like that's a chalky build, throw John Brown in the mix. This is a double stack 
that the whole entire DFS industry played last week. Allen, Diggs, Brown. But because Brown threw a donut into the mix, now everybody's going to be off it. No shot. Not me. I'm running it back. Allen, Diggs, Brown, Andrews. Why not throw Travis Kelsey or Austin Hooper in the mix? Like Joey said, make it a naturally contrarian, too tight and build. I think that's how you win the slate. Roster construction. Joey said it. I'm reiterating it. That's the vibe this week. I mean, yeah, that that's the vibe a lot of the weeks, to be honest, because you can solely win based on how you construct your roster. And if you're better than your opponents and build better lineups, um, you're going to have an edge over the field. And I think that is the case this week as well. So we're definitely on the same page. And hopefully this week is better than last week because that was tough yeah i mean i felt so lucky to break even off of one massive juju big ben spike i mean (laughs) god thank god Uh, it was almost a really really tough scene last week all right let's close it out final question that we have to be asking ourselves in these tournaments who's your favorite long shot who's the guy that you're going to take a stab on that the rest of the field just isn't even they haven't even conceived it yet Yeah, so I think my favorite long shot play of this week is Rashad Higgins at 4,100. He could have ownership. I'm not too sure at this point at Wednesday night, but I think Hardman will come in higher owned than him. I'm expecting him to be roughly 10%, I would say. A great game environment. Obviously, we we project the Browns to be down. Everybody's going to play Landry. Everybody's going to play Hooper. So I like playing Rashad Higgins. 4,100. Book it. Let me predict this stat line. He's grabbing five for 80 and a touchdown, and that's all you need at 4,100. I mean, I'll take it, and, and you can bet your bottom dollar I'll have some exposure to Higgins here because I'm I'm all in on this Brown stack, so <laughs> I'm right there with you. I like that a lot. My favorite long shot this week, I think it counts. Like, I've already mentioned it a little bit, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like, that's a long shot, right? I mean, at eh, best, yeah. at best, he's going to be like, the seventh or eighth highest owned running back like Dobbins, Chubb, Kamara, Singletary Hunt like he's not going to be higher on than any of those guys I don't think and this is a guy who's flying under the radar the last two games that we saw him he was averaging 18 touches per game you know week 14 against Miami had six targets we know that at certain points in the season he's shown the ability to be heavily utilized in the passing game and this is just a spot where the Chiefs have an insane team total if he has the chance of getting 15 to 18 targets on a team with a total, you know, damn near at 34, I'm vibing with it. And you're telling me there's going to be depressed ownership because he hasn't had monster games lately. I'm with it. Clyde <laughs> Edwards Hilaire, 5,500, good price tag, good upside. And uh, I'm ready to die on this hill. I, I lost money on him in best ball. Maybe I can make it back this week. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I-, I do think he is a good tournament play. I would personally project for his ownership to be around 10 to 15. But like you said, that is going to be lower than several running backs, probably yeah. five to six running backs. If Kamara's 40% and you're telling me CEH is 10%, that's that's good. Yeah. I like so, that. So, you know, you're, you're getting leverage on the field by playing them. Um, cheap price tag and helps the balance build in the roster construction especially if you don't play Mahomes say you say you run the Josh Allen stack that you like uh Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a good play in in one of those lineups but yeah I mean I don't hate it to be honest cheap price tag I'm really excited for this weekend I think it's going to be a great weekend of football but that's all we've got for episode 128 of the DFS Dose podcast like Joey said at the top of the show if you want to support us couple of very free and easy ways To do so, all you got to do is subscribe to this podcast, whatever podcast platform you use, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict. 
We are on every podcast platform. Hit that subscribe button and you can do the same on our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. We drop new videos weekly, damn near every day. We're going to be keeping them coming this off season, all off season. And of course, follow our Twitter as well at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. All right. We will talk to you guys next week for our championship weekend breakdown on DraftKings. Make sure you hop in the Discord chat. Link is in the description for this podcast episode. We're going to be updating our thoughts on this slate all weekend. We'll see you guys in there.